has been known to give us some of the best musicians of our time, especially for the world of pop music. From the Beatles to the Spice Girls to Adele, the Brits have always known a thing or two about good music. In the early aughts, Britain brought us the genius that is Craig David with his debut album, Born to Do It. The album that gave us hits such as Fill Me In, Seven Days, and Walking Away helped bring in a new sound to R&B music into the new millennium, incorporating two-step UK garage into popular R&B American and British music, something that inspired a whole new generation of artists. Join us this week as we take a look back into the history of this legendary album and the music that it has graced us with. One thing is for sure, after today's episode, if you didn't know Craig David, you will. After all, he was born to do it. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. You've been hotly tipped to be the next British artist to break America. Does this make you nervous? No, it motivates me to keep doing what I do. And when I go to the States, I'm going to do the same thing that I did here and just same attitude, same focus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Planet 2000s podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about Craig David and his debut album, Born to Do It. The reason I chose this album for this episode is because... Well, A, I've really been in my R&B bag lately, to be honest with you, and I've been really just loving and reminiscing on the best R&B music of my childhood. Also because this was one of my favorites. I remember the music videos all the time being played on Much. I had the CD. I loved Craig David. And so I figured, hey, I'm in my R&B bag. I figured it'd be cute to do a little British theme. So we also have our Natasha Bedingfield episode that is out as well for her album, Unwritten. Make sure that you guys listen to that after you are finished with this one. Moving right along, I cannot wait to talk about this album. Born to Do It is a debut studio album by British singer Craig David. It got its UK release on August 14th, 2000, followed by a July 17th, 2001 release in North America through Atlantic Records. Craig first started making some buzz in the music world when he he began collaborating with British group Damage. Eventually, he was performing vocals for the garage duo Artful Dodger. Wildstar Records in the UK took notice of these tracks, along with Craig's actual demo, which included his future hit, Walking Away. They offered Craig an album contract, and in 1999, he started working on his debut album. Colin Lester, who was the co-owner of Wildstar Records in the UK, he said that he was particularly impressed with Craig's musicality, along with his true love for the art of music, saying that when he saw Craig's bedroom stacked floor to ceiling with vinyls and records, He, in quotation, said, that convinced me he was the real deal and not just some kid acting out the part. The entire album was composed and produced by Craig himself alongside producer Mark Hill. I'm signed to Wildstar in the UK who actually signed me from day one. And because they haven't got record companies around the world, they're just UK based. Um, It was always going to be a case of that if we had success in the UK, then we'd be able to license, hopefully, to other labels around the rest of the world. So I kind of got the best of both worlds because... I was able to sign to a label that actually wanted to kind of look after me and and go to the right people involved. Um, So coming to Atlantic was like, whoa, I'm on the same label from Led Zeppelin to Brandy. Um, To see Phil Me and Craig David on that Atlantic logo was like, whoa. Um, And I kind of got told just after the album started doing big things in the UK and Europe. And we were like, America's the next stage, so it was kind of cool. The Alpha Dodger um, link-up was... Because Mark Hill, who's one half of the Artful Dodger, was DJing in the same club that I was playing at. Um, and I'd met him a couple of years prior to meeting him in this club when I did a Let's Kick Racism out of football for Southampton Football Club. Um, and I was doing some vocals on that. It was supposed to get played at half-time, it never did. But it was, it was for right, a cool cause. Um, then I met up with him again in the club and he was like, well, I'm producing. I haven't got 
an artist, I haven't got someone who's writing songs that I can put music around. And I was like, well, this seems like a perfect marriage here. So I took all these songs I've been writing, went into the studio with him, and the next time we just kind of just went to town having fun again. It was about five minutes away from my home where his studio was. So the next thing we started doing some tracks together and it was a good chemistry. It worked really well. Mark Hale said recently that because they weren't really with a label at the beginning process of the writing of the album, they really had lots of freedom to write whatever they wanted, saying we'd written the majority of the album before any of us was signed, so it was very much an organic process and it was just the two of us working on it without anyone. I remember when we were taking demos around the industry trying to get a deal, we had seven days walking away, time to party and others, and those ended up being the final versions on the album. The album is a two-step UK garage and R&B album, with publications like Rolling Stone magazine comparing the sound to that of Teddy Riley and Timbaland, although pointing out that Craig is able to navigate from R&B to pop more naturally than the two. The album also incorporates hip-hop, garage, and electronic elements. This two-step garage sound was booming in the early 2000s. It was considered to be the hottest genre around at the time, and that was sort of like gonna be the next big thing. Craig and his album were at the forefront of this movement that artists like NSYNC also tried to incorporate into their album Celebrity, as well as Brandy and her album Full Moon, both of which were released just after Born to Do It. Everybody has this thing about either you, A, bringing uh, the two steps down to North America, or B, living up to um, your UK reputation, and C, just bringing a fresh sound in R&B that people haven't heard. That, is that a lot of pressure? Is this like a really new challenge for you? Um, I don't kind of look at it as a pressure, I look at it as more motivation because I'm just kind of so excited to have the opportunity to come to America in general um, and to be able to bring a music that I was just conjuring up in my bedroom back home in Southampton. And I don't look at it as a, as a territory, as, as, a, as a country, I look at it as individuals. So I want to touch someone um, personally as opposed to thinking, oh, I want to hit everyone in America. I just want to touch people. The album title Born to Do It was borrowed from the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, as that was the title used to describe the main character Willy Wonka. Lyrically, the album revolves around themes of romance, relationships, and clubbing and having fun. Craig was 19, 20 years old at the time of the recording and writing of this album, so the lyrics definitely reflect a coming of age of a male that ate. There were four singles from this album, including Fill Me In, Seven Days, Walking Away, and Rendezvous. So let's get into the singles. So I just wanted to take a minute to let you know about this amazing small business that I have been working with recently. They go by Jaden Collections and it's all kinds of fun little accessories. You got jewelry, graphic tees, stickers for your laptop. You can get some new trendy masks because we all know how the COVID's been going and just fun little trinkets for everyday life. Go to jadencollections.com. Jaden is spelled J-A-Y-D-E-N. And just for you guys, if you enter the code PLANET2000s on their website, you can get 20% off anything. So if you want to get some fun little earrings, some bracelets, some graphic tees, just enter the Planet 2000's code, and you can get 20% off at Jaden Collections for a small town biz mama doing her thing, and they are blowing up. Please go and support you guys. Thank you guys for listening to Planet 2000's. Back to the podcast. So the single Fill Me In was the debut solo single by Craig David. It was released in the UK on April 3rd, 2000 and in North America on May 22nd, 2001. Something that I should point out to you guys is that they did the launch of Craig David in North America a little bit after 
his launch in the UK. So his singles in North America were released a year later. By that point in the UK, the whole album rollout and promotion had pretty much been finished. Then he went on to start a whole new promotional process for it in North America with all new music videos. And that's just how it worked in that time because there wasn't streaming. There wasn't the internet was big, but it's not like there was YouTube where you could see everything that was being posted. They had the power to limit what you saw in certain territories and whatnot. It was very, very common for artists not to cross over into other countries. People like the Spice Girls are very unique in the sense from the UK where they like really blew up everywhere else worldwide. The fact that Craig even got some success in North America is truly a testament to his talent. All this to say is Film Me In <laughs> was released on May 22nd, 2001, a year after its release in the UK. It is a two-step garage song and it was an instant hit on the worldwide charts. The song actually features a sample of a Artful Dodger remix of BB Max Still On Your Side. If you guys remember, Artful Dodger is who Craig was singing with when he got his record deal. The song is written in storytelling form with Craig telling a story about him trying to hang out with the girl next door, but her parents are continuing to get in the way of their relationship, forcing them to sneak around. And I'm sure a lot of people had that experience as a teenager. Not me, because I was an ugly teenager, but for those of y'all that were cute, I'm sure you had that experience. Um, what is that the way that I kind of deliver the track is in a style where it's still singing, but it kind of incorporates the kind of hip-hop that I've been listening to, to the, like the South Coast rappers. More like the Bone Thugs and Harmony to a certain extent, where they kind of get a lot of, a lot of expression and lyrics out in a short, short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, fill me in, there was so much I needed to say about how a guy goes around to his girlfriend's house, creeping underneath the parents' noses, doing things young people do when they go out. Dad comes home early, he's got to get out quick. And... I needed to show all that in a small time and it was, it was cool that I was able to do it and also get my lyrics across in a way that people could just about understand after a few listens to it, which was cool. Whenever the ghost was clear and you'd ask me to come out, I'd say, hey girl, come on right around. The song debuted at number one on the UK singles chart as he had already had success as a guest vocalist on tracks by Artful Dodger in that region. So the public had an idea of who Craig David was. So when he dropped his solo single, it blew all the way up. And the track, as I was saying earlier, had a delayed release in America, a pre-streaming era promotional tactic that was used to launch international artists in the North American market. They would usually establish themselves overseas and if enough success was achieved, there, the American labels would have a crack at promoting them to American audiences, and sometimes it worked beautifully, and sometimes it didn't. In the case of Craig David, it definitely worked. I just had my kind of my eyes open, and I went in there. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna approach this the same way I did here in the UK, and I'm gonna just sing my songs, do my acoustic stuff, tour here with my band, and just really work it because I think it's such a massive place. You can be very naive to think you can go to America, do a couple of weeks of promotion, you may have sold millions of albums outside of America." and be like, hey, embrace me because I am making it happen everywhere else. Where it, it doesn't really work there. It's, the, it's like it's complete, completely its own entity in itself. They're like, well, that's really nice you've done that there. And you're ready, you could be blasted on radio, but we have no care about that. What do you, what are you, what's your relevance to us here? So um, we worked it, and I didn't expect to sell so many copies of the album over there. We won an army of fans. So it paid dividends, but I think in hindsight, I look back and I think it was... At the price of doing that, or was, was, was losing the momentum a lot of, of what I was doing back in Europe and in the UK. But um, I think now it was all kind of makes sense. It all paid off in its own little way, which was cool. It's wonderful to think that I've come from little old Southampton in the UK and have been able to, to cross the Atlantic and to make an impression in, in America. I think it's not really to do with the, necessarily the quality of what we have here in the UK, because I think we have some of the most amazing acts. 
and acts like Coldplay have made a big impression and David Gray because they're, they're people who are talented and have gone over there and said it's all about music. We're not trying to sell you this perception. And that's the same thing I think with me. I went over there and I wasn't trying to say, hey, I've sold millions of albums. I was like, I'm a newcomer. I'm going to have to work as hard as anyone else here. I'm going to have to do these tiny little shows to 10 people or one program director and perform an acoustic performance just for you when I've just come away from doing Wembley Arena and to thousands and work it. And there was never, I never had that bitter feeling of, why am I doing this? Why don't I just forget America and go back home? Because I wanted to see if my music can really could penetrate that market and, and it did and it was crazy. And it's lovely to be part of the, um, this English wave of music that's, that's making a lot of the song reached number 15 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number 7 on the mainstream Top 40 radio chart. So that's a top 10 radio hit right there. It also charted well in other territories in the world, reaching number 4 in Canada, my homeland, because I remember this song playing all the time. So, you know, a top five hit. It also reached number five in the Netherlands and Scotland, number six in Australia and Belgium, as well as number seven in Ireland. The second single from the album, arguably his signature song, Seven Days, was released as the second single from the album on July 24th, 2000 in the UK and October 16th, 2001 in North America. It is an R&B song and one of my personal favorite R&B tracks from the 2000s period. When I think of 2000s R&B, Seven Days by Craig David is up there. The track follows a man who meets a girl on a Monday and the seven days that follow in their relationship. David wears his trademark beanie hat throughout the music video as he meets this girl and the events that ensue as the week goes on and lyrically it is very cleverly written and the catchiness of its melody and chorus are undeniable so if I picture it I close my eyes I'm, I'm back in my mum's my flat um, I'm in my bedroom um, and I liked at that time I was I had like a, an old school kind of recording setup which we had two tape cassette decks and it had loads of faders and had all these different colourful microphones that came with it it was a very basic kind of setup I mean you're almost 15, 16 years old and you've got all this testosterone and you're just like all these ideas of just like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that and so it was more of what I would like to have been getting involved with <laughs> at that age than really thinking that my mum was allowing any of that to go down <laughs> but, um, but I don't want to kill the, kill the mystery so do you know what I mean if you, if you do the math and you think how old I was where I was what I was doing so in your mum's flat how was that really going down it, it wasn't sort of as but the connection it had with people um, was amazing because it just seems like it, 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 it feels like a timeless record. And you, I think for any artist, if you can have one of those in your life, it's one of the most beautiful things that it doesn't really matter if when I perform that, who I perform it to, it seems to connect in exactly the same way. And I love that it was an R&B record. And I was working with um, a very talented producer called Mark Hill, who was one half of the Artful Dodger. And when we went to the studio together, which was probably five minutes from my home, as soon as he played, I was like, oh man, the guitar. And I don't know in a previous life that I was like embodiment of a guitar, because any time someone plays a guitar with the licks, I don't know, I just, I resonate to it. And that's why all my acoustic performances, and I'm so kind of, me and, and guitar music is so sort of entwined. When I do things with guitars, it's something, Something magical seems to happen. But Seven Days definitely was one of those songs that the guitar, even in isolation, I was in love with. It seemed like the melody was so simple and the lyric was just like, I mean, it's almost like any 
guy's fantasy is just kind of being like, yeah, man, that's how I go on. And then people try and say, yeah, but I don't even wait till Tuesday. I'm on a, I'm a Monday. Everyone's just got that kind of ego thing kicks in. And you're just like, you don't run with it, play with it. That's what it is. But we still chill on Sunday. You know I mean? <laughs> and, and that, I think, was the fun, playful part of that record. The song debuted at number one in the UK in the summer of 2000, and it reached the top 10 in many other countries worldwide, including Scotland, Ireland, Australia, Netherlands, Poland, Italy, Canada, and the USA, where it became his first and to date only top 10 single in that country. The song was nominated at the 2003 Grammy Awards for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance, but he did lose the award to John Mayer for his track Your Body is a Wonderland. I think Craig definitely knew that he was on a wave of success that he maybe didn't even expect at this time. The third single from the album was Walking Away, and it was released on November 24th, 2000 in the UK and March 25th, 2002 in North America. There were two music videos shot for the song, one for Worldwide Terror and another for America. In the European version, he is seen fighting with his girlfriend before performing in front of various different landscapes, while the American version shows him walking away from the troubles in his life, such as a flood, a fire, a tornado, etc. You know, that's another common thing that many artists did back in the day, shooting two different music videos for the different rollouts of the single in different territories. Walking Away is another major signature hit for Craig David. It's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites. The song reached number three in the UK, and most notably number one in New Zealand, where it became the most successful song of 2001 in that country, when combining both airplay and sales numbers. The song also reached the top 10 in Hungary, Australia, Netherlands, Ireland, and Greece, and in America, it hit number 44 on the US Billboard Hot 100. It was nominated for Best Male Video at the 2002 MTV VMAs, but lost to Eminem's Without Me. And I have to say, I actually am kind of happy that he lost this award because this was the famous award that Christina Aguilera went to present in that dirty outfit with the short jean shorts and the like scarf as a shirt. It was the first time she would have seen Eminem since the whole Slim Shady drama. That was their first meeting, so and it was so such an iconic like shade like oh my god feud moment on tv that he won and christina had to present it to him then i'm like you know what craig love you but i wanted him to win this but walking away is definitely a better song than without me i'll say that just for the drama of it all the fourth single from the album was rendezvous and it was released as the fourth single on march 19th 2001 in the uk the music video shows two sides of craig's personality one is the ladies man and the other is the down-to-earth man who's devoted to one girl. And let's just be honest, that was the 2000s, 90s R&B man. They always had to show, like, that they're a ladies' man, but they still have, like, a good heart, you know? Otherwise, you're not a real R&B man, an R&B singer, you know? <laughs> In his music videos and imagery, that was the image. Anyway, back to the music video. Both Craigs go head-to-head for the same girl in the video. It's classic 2000s cheese, you guys. Like, come on, you can't ask for anything better. It reached the top 10 in the UK, reaching number 8, making it his fourth consecutive top 10 hit there. And it didn't, however, chart in America, unfortunately, as it was not actually released as an official single in the country. So, you know, there wasn't really streaming. So it's not like songs that weren't singles were able to chart. It was a completely different time in the chart world. If this album had come out today, I'm sure the song would have been in the top 20 simply off of streaming alone. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. 
Born to Do It was very well received by the critics. Davy Boy of Sputnik Music said that the album was an excellent debut, and Entertainment Weekly gave it a B-plus rating. And a 2009 poll on MTV.com rated this album as the second greatest album ever made after Thriller by Michael Jackson. Sonically, the collection of tracks also served as an inspiration for a new sound of R&B in the early aughts. Producer Rodney Jerkins particularly stated that this album served as his main inspiration when he was creating beats for Brandy's third album, Full Moon, which was released in March 2002. He was, you know, going to the UK and listening to the garage beats. He loved the futuristic sound of it all, and he really incorporated it into Brandy's album. And that album is probably Brandy's best album and one of the best R&B albums of all time, along with Born to Do It. The album was an instant success once it was released. It debuted at number one in the UK, selling 225 1,320 copies, making it the fastest selling debut album by a British male solo act ever, a record that he still holds today. It eventually was certified six times platinum in the UK, selling 1.9 million copies in there as of 2021, and it was also just as big of a success worldwide. It peaked at number two in Australia, being certified four times platinum there, and prior to the album ever touching the USA, it had already sold close to 3.5 million copies worldwide. It was certified two times platinum in Belgium, Denmark, and the Netherlands, three times platinum in New Zealand, and platinum in Canada, and it peaked at number 11 in the USA, where it was certified platinum there as well for sales of over 1 million copies, bringing the total worldwide sales of Born to Do It to 8 million copies. So this is a mega-selling R&B album. So the fact that on his first go at it, he created such success, he already cemented his legacy. Craig David continues to kill it, reinvents himself quite incredibly. Right now, he's kind of doing the Chris Brown thing with the dance mixed with R&B music, and it's doing really well in the UK and some of the songs really hit really hard so you guys should check it out but first definitely revisit the Born to Do It album and have a moment of nostalgia because this album will live on forever so you guys make sure to comment on my Planet 2000's Craig David post let me know your favorite songs from this album I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and I can't wait to join you guys next time you guys can make sure to go listen to my Natasha Bedingfield episode which came out this week also this is a week for the Brits alright you guys thank you bye bye